From NPR and WNYC, live from the pageant in St. Louis, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. Here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. It's so great to be here in St. Louis. It's such a nice change from New York. People smile at you. They talk to you in stores. The checkout clerk at Whole Foods said to me, so did you try anything new today? It totally caught me off guard. I was like, uh, yes, I tried not to criticize my husband's driving. That's not what she meant. <laughs> Our VIP has written several novels, including Prep and Sisterland, which is set right here in St. Louis. We are very happy to have author Curtis Sittenfeld. And it's time to get to the games. Our first game is called Close to Homer, and here to play it are Charles Pavlak and Max Linewind. Charles, you ran a dog rescue out of your house? Well, my wife did, and it was just easier. It was cheaper to stay. <laughs> For you? For me, yes. Okay. How many dogs did you have? The, the most we ever had was about 30 at once. What? Yeah, that's how I felt, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Max, you're a producer at Fox Sports, and you do sp uh, sports coverage for a local radio program. I've done an old-timey radio character on some uh, local radio okay. programs. Okay, and what's this old-timey character called? Uh, Scoop McGillicuddy. All right, how, does, how would Scoop McGillicuddy introduce himself? Well, good morrow, my boon companions. I'm about to take this radiola program, a huckleberry, above a persimmon. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, have both of you watched The Simpsons? Yeah. Yes. Both of you. And is there a character you would say you closely relate to, Max? Uh, probably Krusty the Clown. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Because of the old-timey thing? Uh, because I'm ashamed of my Judaism and I have a gambling problem. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, who do you relate to? Uh, I've, I've been a comic book collector for about 40 years. Yeah? So I'd, I'd say comic book guy, but my family's here, so I guess I should say Homer. <laughs> Okay, well, here's the reason we're talking about The Simpsons. In this game, we're going to give you clues to famous people and fictional characters whose names end in the syllable O. And the catch is you have to answer like you are a frustrated Homer Simpson. Let's go to Jonathan Colton for an example. So if I said Homer wouldn't cut off his ear like this artist, but it might fall off from all of the radiation at the power plant, your answer would be Vincent van Gogh. And the contestant who is closest to Homer will move on to her Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Let's do this. Like Homer, this actor was the central figure in his own family sitcom where everybody loved him. Charles. Uh, Ray Romano. There you go. Homer probably hates it when Marge makes him watch Grey's Anatomy, which recently marked the exit of this actress as Dr. Christina Yang. Charles. Sandra. Oh! <laughs> that was good. Lisa's been trying to get Homer to read Walden by this philosopher, but instead he continues to live his life of not-so-quiet desperation for donuts. 
Charles. Thoreau. Thoreau, exactly. Henry David Thoreau. Someone should open up a, like an artisanal donut shop called Donuts. <laughs> How come that hasn't happened? I, I don't know. We should do it. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll do it. Side project. Show's over, everybody. <laughs> Homer was still telling Moe that deaf beer was money long after he saw Swingers featuring this actor and Iron Man director. Max. John Favreau! <laughs> yes! All right, this is your last clue. Homer's mangled barbecue pit briefly made him an outsider artist, something he had in common with this wife of John Lennon. Max. Yoko Ono! <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Let's go to our puzzle guru, Greg Pliska, and find out how did our contestants do. Well, congratulations, Charles. You're going to go on to the Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. For a game titled Compound Fractures, let's say hello to our next contestants, Jason Buxton and George Manning. George, you're a competitive photographer. Uh, yes, I am. I once won a $10 honorable mention because I took a picture of my daughter in the best St. Louis location, which is under the arch. And I think everybody has the picture of your kid, and then the arch is behind it, and it just looks epic, and I won $10. That's amazing! <laughs> Jason... A software developer that catches bad guys, what does that mean? Well, our software uh, covers mortgage fraud, so we catch people oh. who are trying to defraud banks. We uh, once found a bank who had completely funded loans on a subdivision in Florida that did not exist, mm -hmm. based on pictures that they produced with cardboard cutouts. Well, <laughs> so. maybe George took those pictures. It's possible. <laughs> In this game, we're taking words and fracturing them into two pieces to form two separate words, but they are not compound words in a traditional sense. This makes no sense. Puzzle guru Greg Pliska, please explain. So, if I said, I like to change the places of everything on the back part of the stove, the answer would be the words rearrange and rear range. Oh. <laughs> They are furiously shaking hands, our contestants, sweating, nodding, no, they're not going to get anything right, they don't want to be part of this, they thought it was going to be fun. It's a very easy game, and we're all going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> and of course, the winner will move on to our final round at the end of the show. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to smear this petroleum jelly on those flower holders that you've put in a row. George. Vaseline vase line. That's right. Thank you. That was well done. See? See, it's not so bad. It, it, yeah. <laughs> you turned red. That means you have to go out back to the little storage building where we put people with a common contagious illness. George. 
blushed blue shed. Wow. It's very That's close. where I go it's a very, when very I'm close. sick. Very to nice the blue try, shed. but that is not how the word blue is spelled. That's a good point. Jason, do you have a counter argument? You, you, you turned red, and yes. so you have to go out back to the little <laughs> storage building. Storage building. Where we put people with a common contagious illness. Seriously? A common <laughs> contagious. Yeah. I am being quite, I am being deadly serious, There's Jason. a shed where we keep people who have a common well, contagious illness. No, 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 no. Really? No. Yeah. Where did you grow up, man? Yeah. No. Okay. Listen. Um, it's just a good idea. We're not saying it exists. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I got nothing on that <laughs> okay. one. That's all, right. That's all right. The answer we were looking for was flushed huh? and flu shed. Really? Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, you're mad at me now. All right. <laughs> hey, those booers are going to go in a little hut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to go in the boo shed. A <laughs> <laughs> little boo shed. Oh, man. And now, watch as a pink waiting bird leaps through a circle of fire. Jason. Flamingo? Flamingo? Almost. Flame, it sounds flame. like you just said the same word twice. Flame in go. Do not put down his creative mind. No, I... How about flaming O? Yeah, yes. flaming O. That's right. Boy, I, I, is anyone else exhausted? <laughs> I'm tired, man. Okay, regardless of how famous or important you are, we don't have a place for you at our restaurant. George. Notable, no table. Yeah! Wow. Dude, you are rocking this! This is, this is like watching the Olympics. This I know, is amazing. I know. I know, if only we could, like, give them a degree or, like... I know. See those guys shooting that TV news report? <laughs> they arrived with Japanese noodle soup. <laughs> I'm starting to feel guilty. I know. Instant noodle soup? Jason. Cameraman? Yes. So that would be... Are you asking me? <laughs> Because I know, I Came know. Came ramen. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> Charles Schwab lost all my money. And now I'm really angry. What is Charles Schwab? It is a... Right. Yes. Jason. Jason. Brokerage and broke rage. Yeah! Oh, nice job. This is your last question. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, everybody. Seriously. Hey, that hair on your upper lip has to really feel sore. George. Mustache must ache. It sure must. Well done. Oh, my gosh. I feel like we're all winners in this room right now. I'm sorry to tell you we have a tie. Yeah. Here's your tiebreaker. Even though he was convicted of killing someone, we still heard that guy's guffaw. Manslaughter, man's laughter. Jason, that is correct. 
Hats off to the puzzle maker. Congratulations, Jason. Well done. We'll see you in our final round at the end of the show. Coming up, we're going back to the 90s, back when every Star Wars movie was awesome. Grown women wore scrunchies. And MTV actually played music videos. So stick around. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is NPR's Ask Me Another. Hey, be honest with me. Are you a music nerd? Or do you want to be a music nerd? Do you wish you knew more about what's out there? Well, then you need to check out All Songs Considered, the podcast from NPR Music. They are here to help. All Songs Considered is NPR's music discussion and discovery podcast. Each week, Bob Boylan and Robin Hilton share the best of the best new and upcoming music and lots of songs you are going to fall in love with. So find all new All Songs episodes every Tuesday at npr.org slash podcasts or check out your NPR One app. You're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and we're coming to you live from the pageant in St. Louis. Our next game is called Cinematic Bookends. Let's say hello to our contestants, Jenny Byrne-Mosley and Whitney Dunn. Jenny, I love a little fact you told us, which is that you are really into books, you're a real feminist, and as a child, this was even illustrated by your Halloween costumes. Yes. Uh, When I was in fifth grade, I dressed as Joe March from Little Women for Halloween. That's amazing. Which went over about as well as you can imagine. So what was the actual costume? Victorian dress? There was like a long denim skirt and a shawl and a copy of Little Women. People thought I was a school marm or a librarian. Whitney, any wacky Halloween costumes in your past? I have a lot. Oh, yes? <laughs> my, uh, my husband and I, a few years ago, were plus-sized Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love because we are not thin as they are, but we love their music, so we were the plus-sized version. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's very good. Do you have a favorite movie that you like to quote? Whitney? I have a lot of favorite movies I like to quote. I think probably Cinderella. <laughs> oh, okay. I know. I'm sorry, feminists. I love the line, a dream is a wish your heart makes. I'm normally pretty cynical, but that speaks to me pretty deeply. So. Yeah. How about you, Jenny? Do you uh, quote a movie in particular? Uh, I find that the line from The Sandlot, you're killing me, Smalls, has served me quite well. <laughs> It comes up in a lot of situations. You can use it almost any time. Well, in this game, we're going to give you the very first line and the very last line of a movie, and based on just those lines, you have to identify the movie. So, for example, if I say, Rosebud. And I say, throw that junk. Then the answer would be Citizen Kane, because those are the first and last lines from that film. Right? Easy. Okay, here we go. What do we care if we were expelled from college, Scarlet? After all, tomorrow is another day. Gone with the wind. Jenny, yes. That is correct. 
Now, I don't remember the beginning of that movie because it starts four years before it ends. <laughs> but Scarlett was in college? What? <laughs> Does anybody know what Does she got expelled know? for? <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight. And all that jazz. All that jazz. Whitney. Chicago. That is correct. This is a story of boy meets girl. Nice to meet you. I'm Autumn. Whitney. 500 Days of Summer. Yes. I was sitting with my friend Arthur Cornbloom in a restaurant. It was a horn and hard art cafeteria. Particularly the coconut soaks up a lot of excess, and you really, it's important to keep it on the side. Oh. Blank looks. Oh, Jenny. When Harry Met Sally? Yes! In other parts of the world, young men of promise leave home to make their fortunes, battle evil, or solve the problems of the world. Good night, you princes of Maine, you kings of New England. Whitney. The Cider House Rules. That is exactly right. One of the eight million films starring Michael Caine. <laughs> that guy has done well. Jackie, Jack, Jack! Ah, and Miss Lovely Amber Waves. I'm a star. I'm a big, bright, shining star. <laughs> Please say you need a hint. Whitney jumped right on that. <laughs> Boogie Nights? Yes, that's correct. Ah, fantastic. Puzzle Guru Greg Pliska, how did our contestants do? Whitney, well done. We'll see you in the final round at the end of the show. Please welcome Mary Weariotti and Mike Swartout. Now, Mary, you helped bring the church back to St. Louis Youth by building some sort of makeshift chapel on top of a bar. Is that correct? Yeah, it is on the second level of a bar at a local university here because we've learned that college students want to go to church but cannot be anywhere at 9 a.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> So, uh, are they serving beverages at this service? They are available for purchase downstairs. And you can bring them up? Oh, sure. Really? Yeah. So it's a sermon and beer. Drink with the pastor. <laughs> I feel like that's very popular. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm switching. Mike, an air and space instructor. That sounds like you are the smartest man on, on the universe. What kind of stuff do you teach? Um, I teach how to design spacecraft. And thank you said that because my kids are in the audience. So I appreciate oh, really? that very oh, much. Yeah. Thank you. What is the most 90s thing you ever wore, perhaps in the 90s, perhaps still? Uh, still would be it, yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I was in school at the time, so it was a lot of the long sleeve shirts, the button down, but you left them open with a t-shirt underneath. Sure. So yeah. pretty much what I wear now. You yeah. still do that. Yeah. Exactly the same. Yeah, that's a classic. That is. How about you, Mary? In the early 90s, I had a large collection of slap bracelets that you get from the quarter machine yeah. until they were taken away from me because I would leave them on the steps. And if you've ever stepped on a slap bracelet, it's like scrap metal inside. <laughs> yeah, it, it hurt. Uh, how about you, Jonathan? Uh, no, in the 90s, I was still wearing all of my 80s clothes. 
This game is called One Word, One Hit Wonders of the 90s. That's right. We remember the 90s for many things. AOL, Mulder and Scully, the Clinton administration. Tonight we're going to celebrate that decade's many one-word, one-hit wonders. Now, I want to be clear here and avoid the no-doubt flood of emails we're going to get. We know already these one-hit wonders are songs that their artists are primarily identified with. They may very well have other songs you know, but this is their one big hit. Please don't write us emails. And all the songs in this game have one-word titles. And we have replaced the lyrics of each song with lyrics that are clues to that title. All you have to do is give me the title. You ready? Ready. Okay, here we go. The Loch Ness Monster in Scotland. Bigfoot and the States. People live inside the TV. The tarot decides our fates. Pegasus and the unicorn. Mermaids in the deep blue sea. These are some things we realized are not true, they're not true. A touch risque to sample bits from Andrew Dice Clay, the name you say. It's Mary. Unbelievable. That's right. I take a bath, slap a porcelain like the name of Bambi's bunny pal. I take a bath, I slap a porcelain like the name of Bambi's bunny pal. <laughs> Mary. Tub thumping. Tub thumping is correct. Ted Kaczynski and Patty Hearst. David Berkowitz, John Dillinger. Al Capone, Bonnie and Clyde, Sir Han, Sir Han, Robert Durst. What do all these folks have in common? Uh, Mike. Outlaws? Mm, that is not the answer we're looking for. Mary, do you know what it is? Criminal. Criminal is correct. Fiona Apple. I like a Patty Hearst, Robert Durst rhyme, by the way. Patty Hearst, Robert uh, Durst. Very happy someone took advantage of that. Jumping in my backyard pool. Running like a flash. Make a big splash. It's also a round projectile. Much used in the Civil War. Big gun, mortar, howitzer. Big gun, mortar, howitzer. Mike? Cannonball. Cannonball is right. Well, maybe I'm just too psyched. Maybe by nature. I am just an optimist, but everything seems just fine, even peachy keen. It was neat, I really liked it. It was nice, it was cool and beneficial. It was swell. Mary. Good. Good, that's right. This is your last question. Broken, damaged, ripped. Ruptured, shredded, slashed. Disconnected, cracked. Lacerated, sundered, split. Ragged, severed, sliced. Mangled, tattered, gashed. I'm listing words, they all mean the title of this song. All of these words mean the title of the song. Mike. 
Torn. Torn is correct. This game was brought to you by Roger's Thesaurus. <laughs> Greg Pliska, how did our contestants do? Well, it was very close, but Mary, you are our winner, and we'll see you in the final round at the end of the show. If you would like to be a contestant on Ask Me Another, send us an email at askmeanother at npr.org. We will send you a quiz and find out whether you're a trivia one-hit wonder or a chart topper. Plus, if you'd like to come see us live, just go to amatickets.org. a game titled Ask Me Ant Hero. Let's welcome Matthew Reck and Angela Grispin. So you might ask, why is this game called Ask Me Ant Hero? Well, Ant Hero is an anagram of the word another. Angela is so excited, her knees <laughs> buckled at the word anagram. So every answer in this game is a well-known television show, but the last word of the title is anagrammed. We'll give you clues to the show and the anagrammed last word. So let's go to our puzzle guru, Greg Pliska, for an example. Okay. If we said, in this CW drama, two supernatural brothers with a thirst for blood open up a business milking cows, the answer would be the vampire dairies. Because dairies is an anagram of diaries. So remember, only the last word of the title is anagrammed. And the winner, of course, will move on to her. Ask me one more final round. Here we go. This sketch comedy show has spent over four decades promoting immorality, sin, depravity, and degenerate catchphrases. Angela. Saturday Night Evil? Yes. On this competition reality show hosted by Tom Bergeron and Aaron Andrews, celebrities do the cha-cha-cha with Russian emperors. Matthew. Dancing with the czars? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Peter's always great. Ivan's always terrible. Czar <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sorry> joke. <laughs> A little czar joke. I think that was an NPR joke. <laughs> MPZAR. In this long-running CBS News program, the anchors deliver an hour-long-form report while performing French social dances. Angela. 60 minuets? 60 minuets, yes. Yes, minuets! This fantasy drama takes place on the continent of Westeros, where warring swarms of stinging insects fight to control the best hives. Matthew. Game of hornets? <laughs> yes, it is! You know everything, Jon Snow. <laughs> This award-winning HBO series chronicles the trials and tribulations of the Fisher family, owners of an L.A. funeral parlor turned strip club. Matthew. Uh, six feet. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, okay, Angela, can you steal? This is going to be so fun to say. Six feet neuter? Yes, exactly. Uh, I don't know why I couldn't get that. 
Puzzle Guru Greg Fliska. Another very close match. Angela, you are our winner, and you'll be moving on to the final round. Every week on Facebook or Twitter, uh, we ask our listeners to tell us an interesting piece of trivia they have learned, whether it is true or false, does not matter. And we got this one from Paige Lindsay Sebring of Lexington, South Carolina. She sent us a fact, and the fact is, Ho Chi Minh invented Boston cream pie. <laughs> so Jonathan, what do you think? Did the Marxist leader of North Vietnam create the official state dessert of Massachusetts? Uh, I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> when you say Ho Chi Minh and Boston cream pie, yep. you're talking about the two things that I'm thinking of when that you is say right. those words. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say... <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's a culinary uh, thing happening in Vietnam, right? There's a sort of French influence there. That's right. That is right, right yeah. In the food. That's because of the colonialization. The colonial yep. uh, history. Uh, so, but I don't know... So, and you know, the French love cream. <laughs> so, so that's... The That's in support the, of this idea. I have to tell you, Jonathan, the best part of these trivia questions are hearing your amazing, logically deductive <laughs> brain in action this is like, that you know, works this is, it out. So, okay, so French love cream. Yep. We got that. I, I have another question. What's Boston cream pie? What is the exact definition yeah, wh of Boston? What, it, what is it? Uh, okay. It's, it's, it is, is technically not a pie. It is oh, a cream-filled cake. Uh-huh. Uh, that I believe has chocolate sauce on it. Cream-filled cake with chocolate sauce. Can anyone verify that this is what a Boston cream pie is? It's not even a pie? It's not a pie. Yeah, I know. How's it going to be associated with Boston? And now I'm trying to think, is there any connection between Boston and Vietnam? I'm going to say, no, this is complete garbage, and there's no, there's no way that Ho Chi Minh invented Boston cream pie. Also, P.S. It's not a pie. That's those are the two <laughs> things I'm going to say about so this. So, just the question is flawed because Boston question is cream flawed pie. because it is not a pie. <laughs> okay, it is false, but it is less implausible than you think because, get this, as a young man, Ho Chi Minh fled Vietnam to avoid persecution and wound up in Boston. He ended up in Boston in 1912. He worked as a baker in the Parker House Hotel. The Parker House Hotel is where Boston cream pie was invented. Whoa. But it was invented, it was actually introduced at the Parker House Hotel in 1856. So it actually happened before him, but he probably made hundreds of them. Maybe Ho Chi Minh made the best versions that they had ever had. So a lot of people mistakenly think because he worked there that he invented it. So let me, let me propose this. Let me propose this slight modification. Maybe what we can say is that Ho Chi Minh reinvented Boston cream He pie. might have. I'll he allow have. that. I'll allow that. Thank you very much to Paige Lindsay Sebring for that false lovely fact. Coming up, we're going to talk to author Curtis Sittenfeld about her many novels, including American Wife, which is loosely based on former First Lady Laura Bush. Now, George never commented on it, as it's hidden in a place he'd never look, inside of a book. So stay tuned.
Hey, just a reminder to check out a great music podcast, All Songs Considered. It's a podcast from NPR Music for those music nerds out there and the people who want to become music nerds. Each week, Bob Boylan and Robin Hilton share the best of the best of new and upcoming music. You're going to find stuff for the very first time that you will fall in love with. So check out All Songs episodes every Tuesday at npr.org slash podcasts and on the NPR One app. back to Ask Me Another. We're coming to you live from the pageant in St. Louis. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and with me is our house musician, Jonathan Colton, and our puzzle guru, Greg Pliska. Now, please welcome our VIP author of Prep, Sisterland, and the upcoming retelling of Pride and Prejudice, Curtis Sittenfeld. Hi, Curtis. Hi, Ophira. Now, your first book, Prep, huge hit, highly acclaimed. New York Times named it one of their top five works of fiction that year. Is It's a 10-year anniversary right now. It's its 10-year anniversary. That's amazing. So, th- I mean, that book is beautifully written and obviously got so much great uh, press about how great it was written. When you look back on it 10 years later, do you go yeah, this is great. Or you're like, oh, I would do this different. Of course, you don't really curl up with your own book for pleasure reading, <laughs> right? I mean, Why? I know, I, well, but something I do when I'm writing a, whatever current book I'm immersed in, I sometimes, if I feel like I'm writing the exact same scene or the exact same sentence, I'll pull down my own book from the shelf and think like, okay, where was it? And, and weirdly, when my book's at the point of publication, even though they're 300 or 400 or 500 pages, I probably have memorized them in their entirety so I can find any sentence, any... I actually... I had this conversation with someone where he said something like, you know, nobody should be held accountable for anything they wrote before the age of 30. And I was 29 when Prep came out. And I feel like, I mean, there's plenty of horrible things I've written before and since, but I I actually do feel like, (laughs) really, I mean, I feel like I stand by prep and you know that I I feel like if I hadn't written I I think I would I would still enjoy reading it so sure yeah that's That's very positive (laughs) now you did go to a boarding school yes and you did teach at a at St. Albans which is a uh, prep school for young men yes yes Uh, and prep follows the life of a young woman who is hard having a hard time fitting in basically in a boarding school you described yourself when you went to boarding (laughs) school as not so much preppy but weird (laughs) so do you relate to the character in prep is there something of you in that well I would say of course there's something of me in her um, but I think I think that if you're reading a book and you know that any part of it is autobiographical or true, there's this kind of leap to feeling like it's all autobiographical, it's all true. And so the thing that, that I think readers sometimes don't remember is that, that I kind of have to inhabit all the characters. Like I had a friend actually when Prep came out and he said, I had no idea how neurotic you were. And, and, and I said, well, but it's not autobiographical. And he's like, but even for you to be able to imagine how awkward and weird this person is, you must have like many more neuroses than I realized. And is that true? Well, I actually thought he, well, he knew me well enough to know that I did have all these. Yeah. Like we were college friends. So I thought he, but I feel like um, for a, a normal person, I'm very weird. But for a writer, I'm actually very normal. And, and <laughs> that's true. 
Now, your third novel, American Wife, uh, is a fictional character, but loosely based on former First Lady Laura Bush, who you are obsessed with. Yes. What is it about Laura Bush that fascinates you so? People asking me that question was what compelled me to write a 550-page book. Like, it was like, if I could give you an easy answer, you know, I, I would. But, I mean, my, I will say, my obsession with her, maybe to her relief, has probably dimmed since she's out of the public eye. Uh, but I just, I think that she... She always seemed interesting to me, and it seemed like there was this public idea of what she was like. You know, people would say, Stepford wife. And I just thought that, that sometimes when there was evidence to suggest things contrary to the stereotype of her, people would ignore them. I mean, there's definitely, there's, and there's all these fascinating tidbits about her life, her life before she married George Bush, or like, and all these sort of improbable things that have happened to her, where if you wrote a novel, and you only put these events in, and you know you had never heard of Laura Bush. You would say there's no way that all these unlikely things could happen to one person, but in fact they actually did. What is one improbable thing that, I, if you told me, I'd be like, that is definitely not Laura Bush? Supposedly, she and George Bush. I believe she was 32 when when they met, and this was in West Texas in the late 70s. So you know, 32 is relatively old to not be coupled off. And uh, I think that someone had wanted to introduce them or fix them up before, and she had resisted because she felt like he seemed like he was really political, and you know she was wary of that. And they actually they met, they were engaged within six weeks of meeting, and then married within six weeks of being engaged. Whoa! Yeah. And they would joke. I think she will joke that they were like the last two people standing in their social circle. <laughs> so they're like, whatever. There's no one else. I know. Now your upcoming book is a modern retelling of Pride and Prejudice. How did this come about? The British division of the uh, publisher HarperCollins initiated this project where they thought we'll pair six writers and six, you know, one each of Jane Austen's novels, and we'll have them tell a, a contemporary version. You know, of course, I loved Pride and Prejudice when I read it for the first time. I think I had read it maybe twice when I, when I embarked on this project. Um, but it, it was one of those things where I thought that I would be able to use certain skills or interests that I had, but it would also make me use my brain in a new way. And for people who have read my novels in here, I mean, the truth is they do, my existing novels do have a kind of, I shouldn't say this on the radio, they have a sort of bleak undertone to them. <laughs> or they're, they're sort of, and, and I feel like um, even though Pride and Prejudice deals with serious subjects, it, it's really fun. Now you and your friends in St. Louis, a bunch of them just started a Jane Austen book club kind of to help you out, or they were just excited about your project? Uh, yeah, and I think, I think that they, so there was one particular friend of mine who, I think that she, maybe she had read some of Austen's novels, but not others, which was the sure. same. I think I had read three out of the six. And so she said, you know, we should start this book club and we should read all of, all of Austen's novels, which we then did. Yeah. So. All right, Curtis, uh, we have an Ask Me Another Challenge that is sort of built a little bit on your experiences at your book club. So would you like to take and ask me another challenge? I would like to, thank you. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Curtis Sittenfeld, everybody. So this game is called Fifty Shades of Jane, <laughs> as in Jane Austen, because you notice something at your book club, uh, which I'll let you explain. 
basically in every meeting, every book club, every meeting, eventually there would come a point when we were discussing not Austin, but Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, we noticed that there are many similarities between Pride and Prejudice and Fifty Shades of Grey. For example, in Pride and Prejudice, 21-year-old Lizzie Bennet falls in love with Fitzwilliam Darcy, a rich, brooding man who's not great at small talk. In Fifty Shades of Grey, 21-year-old Anastasia Steele falls in love with Christian Grey, a rich, brooding man who likes to spank people. See, they're the same book. <laughs> Almost. Very close. So we're going to see if you can tell the difference between Pride and Prejudice and Fifty Shades of Grey <laughs> in the following quiz. And if you get enough right, Taylor Breezy of Falls Church, Virginia, is going to win and ask me another prize. Okay. All right. Let's see if you can do it. Here we go. Correspondence, whether by letter or email, plays an important role in both novels. Which protagonist, Lizzie or Anastasia, receives a note that includes this line? Do not punish me so far as to exclude me from P. I shall never be quite happy till I have been all around the park. Um, that would be Pride and Prejudice. That would be Lizzie. You are correct. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah, Lizzie, Lizzie, Lizzie. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> P not being P, P being Pemberley. I, that just... did kind of throw me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Please don't exclude me from P. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is very mean. Yeah. You see, you know, I'm kind of at a disadvantage because I haven't read Fifty Shades, but, but I'm guessing. I think most people have read it over someone else's shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Well. Which protagonist, Lizzie or Anastasia, says to her love interest, your defect is to hate everybody? Lizzie. It is Lizzie, mm. you're right. I think we can argue not really a defect. <laughs> not anymore. All right. Which book received this write-up on the website Goodreads? I kept seeing this book on lists of goodest books ever. <laughs> However, I must admit, I was hesitant going into this for two big reasons. One, I thought it might be a bit too romantical for me. The second and much more distressing reason was that Twilight was on many of the same lists. Um, I would guess Fifty Shades. Unfortunately, the answer is Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> it's on the goodest books ever, everybody. I'm sure Jade Austen would be so proud to be on a, the goodest books ever. It was pretty good, but it was too romantical. <laughs> too romantical. All right, this is your last question here. Okay. Is it Mr. Darcy or Christian Grey who memorably says, Laters, baby? <laughs> uh, I believe that that's Christian Grey. That's a bit of a gimme, but yes, you're right. <laughs> I think we proved that only a strong, fine literary mind like yours, Curtis Sittenfeld, can figure out the difference between these two magical books. Congratulations, you and Taylor both get an Ask Me Another Anagram t-shirt. Let's hear it for our VIP, Curtis Sittenfeld. I was first learning of love as a teenager One source gave me all my ideas and theories Jane Austen's masterpiece work 
Pride and Prejudice are actually the 95 BBC miniseries. Oh, that Mr. Darcy's so gruff and so distant, the sensitive spirit just waiting to shine. There's a good reason that women love jerks. It seems like a fantastic idea at the time. Oh, 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 Mr. Darcy, oh. Oh, Colin Firth, you wily old bastard, you wonderful specimen, you've messed up the hearts of young girls round the earth. Oh, 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 Mr. Darcy, oh, 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 Colin Firth, you're tall, dark, and handsome, you're charming and wonderful, no other men are worth half what you're worth. Jonathan Colton. Now we're going to crown this week's grand champion. Let's bring back from close to Homer, Charles from Compound Fractions, Jason from Cinematic Bookends, Whitney from One Word, One Hit, Wonders of the 90s, Mary, and from Ask Me, Ant Hero, Angela. They'll be playing our Ask Me One More final round, and our puzzle guru, Greg Pliska, will lead this final round titled, in honor of the show me state, show me first. In this final round, every correct answer will be a word, phrase, or proper noun that starts with the letters M-E. For example, if I said, this actress starred opposite Tom Hanks in You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle, you would say Meg Ryan, because her first name starts with the letters M-E. Now, we play this spelling bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. The last person standing will be our Ask Me Another grand winner. For their prize, Curtis Sittenfeld will come up and give them a personalized list of books they should be reading now. <laughs> Ready? Here we go. Charles, this legendary creature is half woman, half fish. Mermaid. Correct. Jason, three-letter slang word used to express a lack of interest or enthusiasm for something. Meh. Very good. Thank you, Jason. Whitney, city where you'd find Elvis Presley's Graceland Mansion. Memphis. Correct. Mary, frequently Oscar-nominated star of films such as Sophie's Choice and The Devil Wears Prada. Meryl Streep. Correct. Angela. It's a strip of land between opposing lanes of traffic on the highway. Median. Correct. Charles, stop trying to make fetch happen is a famous line from what Lindsay Lohan comedy? Mean Girls. Correct. Jason, packaged mints whose slogans have included Stay Fresh and The Fresh Maker. Mentos. Correct. Whitney, this comedic actress starred in Bridesmaids, The Heat, and the TV series Mike and Molly. Melissa McCarthy. Correct. Mary, wizard from Arthurian legend who was bewitched by the Lady of the Lake. Merlin. Correct. Angela, voiceover artist who created the distinctive vocal patterns of Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, and Porky Pig. Mel Brooks. I'm sorry, that's not correct. 
Charles, do you know the answer? Mel Blanc. That is correct. Angela, thank you very much for playing. I'm sorry you're, you're out. Jason, you're up. NBC's long-running, politically-themed Sunday morning talk show. Meet the Press. Correct. Whitney, this three-word phrase describes a charitable program that delivers food to people who are unable to cook or leave the house. Meals on Wheels. That's correct. Mary, Animal Planet TV series about a family of slender mammals living in the Kalahari. Meerkat Manor. Very good, correct. <laughs> Charles, it is customary to stand during the Hallelujah Chorus of this George Handel Oratorio. Messiah. Correct. Jason, meaning between two rivers, this ancient region is bounded by the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Mesopotamia. Very good, correct. Whitney, two-word Latin expression used to acknowledge one's own fault and express regret. Mea culpa. Correct. All right, so we are back to Mary. This actor played Dr. Gregory Pratt on ER and is mentioned by name in Eminem's song, Lose Yourself. Mackay Pfeiffer. Correct. Charles, Smashing Pumpkins' double album featuring the hits Bullet with Butterfly Wings, 1979, and Tonight Tonight. I know the beginning. I don't know the whole thing. Okay. Jason, do you know the whole thing? Mephistopheles? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Whitney. Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. That is correct. <laughs> Charles and Jason, you're out. Thank you so much. We are down to our last two, Mary and Whitney. So if you two would now would pick up buzzers, we are going to do our tiebreaker. Uh, so this works like our regular games. Whoever buzzes in first gets the answer. If you get it correct, you will be our winner. And if you miss it, the other person has a chance to steal. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Okay. Whitney and Mary, here you go. A psychic whom spirits speak through or the size between small and large? Mary. Medium. That is correct. Congratulations. So close, so close. Mary, you're our Ask Me Another big winner. Congratulations. That is our show. Thank you so much for playing. Check out our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, and you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at NPR Ask Me Another. And come see us live. Go to amatickets.org. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Greg Pliska. Hey, my name anagrams to Sparkle Gig. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou Jolta Cannon. Our puzzle editor is Art Chung, with additional puzzle writing by Esther Bloom, Greg Lightman, Natasha Lake, Noah Tarno, and senior writer Karen Lurie. Ask Me Another's produced by Jesse Baker, Lena Mazitzis, Josh Rogeson, Denny Shin, and our intern Aaron James along with Portia robertson guess and Eric Newsom. We are recorded by Bill Moss. We'd like to thank the pageant... Pagan Teeth! KWMU and our production partner, WNYC. I'm her ripe begonias... Ophira Eisenberg! And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, I talk to the cast of Wet Hot American Summer about shooting the original film on a shoestring budget. We lived in the cabins, everyone did. We ate the camp food until the crew 
revolted, and then we had to get in food from the local restaurant. It was like Valley Forge. Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia.